You are listening to episode 246 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we kick bass in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. I'm liking that, dude. Um, I like your first one that you proposed. I thought that would have been hilarious, um, but not age appropriate for the podcast, apparently. Yeah, we'll we'll worry about telling people about our rods later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we played a little bit of Sega Bass Fishing on the Sega Dreamcast because that's where you should play Sega Bass Fishing uh, with our rods. I mean rod, and um, it was a good time. But we'll get into that a little bit later during our inflation deflation segment. First, let's say that you can find the Game Deflators at thegamedeflators.com, our currently out-of-date website, because I haven't updated the most recent episode on there. Uh, YouTube, find us on Game Deflators on YouTube. You can, of course, find us on social media at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook at Game Deflators on X, not Twitter. It's officially X. Is it? Is it officially X now? The, the app? Logo has an X. Okay. Well, find us at X. At X. You know when they say X marks the spot? You're it, baby. Right yeah. here. You're in the place. That's what Elon... Tell everybody about it. That's what Elon is thinking. You're you're so innovative. You're just like him. Uh, so, yeah. Find us on X, or formerly known as Twitter, I, I guess. I don't know what the hell it is nowadays. Um, and, of course, you can find us on the podcast app you're listening to right now. Uh, but, of course, leave us a five-star view. We would greatly appreciate that. Pickups. So... I picked up Tunic this week on the Nintendo Switch. You sure did. I sure did. And it looks like everything I imagined it would look like. Oh, me too. Yeah. The uh, Zelda-style manual, Zelda-style map that comes with it. Um, obviously, the little fox with the sword and shield. It, it's great. I've been wanting to play Tunic for a while, and when I saw that, I think it's Fangamer uh, is when it released this. I didn't take a gamble, per se, because GameStop has it too, but I, I saw that it was... You know, full color manual, all that good stuff, and was like, well, let me just grab this because this looks like a pretty neat ass copy of a game to keep. So, got that in hand. Um, I also picked up some more Magic the Gathering cards uh, for a blue deck I'm running and a couple like sparingly like other types of cards that I might want to put into another deck down the road that I felt could be of potential, like I prospected. Basically, say, mm, I'm seeing these played in Magic Arenas, which I'm still playing, and uh, they look like they could actually hold up uh, in the future. And you know how cards are, right? You could have a card that at the time might be like two bucks, but another card gets released that is compatible with said card. And then the old card goes up to like $20, $30. So there's a few cards I was looking at that were of that nature. And I decided to pick those up while I could uh, on the cheap. I also got a Horizon Zero Dawn Lego set. So it's the Walker, talker, tall giraffe thing. Giraffe. The satellite it's giraffe. A, it's more of a brontosaurus, but uh, brontosaurus yes. giraffe satellite. Yeah, whatever the hell it is. I got that, um, which I'm stoked. It's something I've been wanting to buy for a while. Uh, so I got that, and then I got um, uh, the D and D cookbook, the official D and D cookbook, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, so Does D- it have a mechanic where you can roll for your meal? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. But that'd be pretty hilarious, right? And you roll a one, and it's like. The most expensive thing that you could potentially create out of a well, book. like, I would think like maybe they did like twenty entrees and like twelve desserts and like ten appetizers, so that you could take like 
a coordinated dice and roll it for like, okay, what do we want to, what do we want to do for appetizer, meal, and dessert kind of thing? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't dove into it that much. Uh, it looks good though. It's got some great pictures. The recipes look interesting. It has drinks in there too, I think. Nice. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a not actually a very nice quality book too, as far as, you know, cookbooks are concerned. Yeah. So pick that up and then i also got it's like asherah's revenge i think it's called or asherah asura asura yeah asura um i'm thinking you know i'm thinking asherah from um i want to say it's magic the gathering there's an asherah i don't remember but either way i got that it's the dragon board game uh thing it's like two to five players uh which is pretty cool i would be in two to five players uh so my wife and i can play it or you know somebody else can come over and play too and the cool thing is that actually you can mix and match it with the uh, Ravenloft game that I have too. So that's also kind of cool to make like a new adventure. So got that as well. And some D&D minis. Some uh, the diecast minis that they released a while back. I got some of those too. Nice. So, a lot of pickups this week. Not really a ton of... Outside of Tunic, not a lot of game pickups. Um, I'm so jealous of that game. Uh, <laughs> you should pick it up, dude. It's uh, a great game. It comes with the full manual. If you haven't played the game, the manual is a very integral part of the the game in the game because it was like a digital release originally. Yeah. So having like the full manual just in your hand is great, but also it's cheating. So just if you want the full experience, I definitely would advise to play the game just straight up without the manual. I'll do that. I'm not going to play with the manual. I'll play because you find manual pages throughout, right? Yeah. As you collect or finish puzzles and whatnot mm -hmm. yeah so i mean that's my goal is to to play it as it was meant to be played and a manual being a secondary component uh unless unless you have to find pieces of the manual and draw it yourself that'd actually be pretty interesting right to ruin the manual um and then let's see what was the other thing uh i picked up the playstation plus games for the month so alan wake remastered uh call of duty which i'll never play and i don't even remember the other one i mean that kind of shows you where it's at right like you pick them up just to pick them up and mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. So, I mean, they're not bad games. Like, it's not like just like, here's some shovelware. Like those are like titled games. Yeah. They're good games, but it's not, have you like, played Alan Wake? No, actually. So I'm happy it's on there. Cause I'll play it. Um, that's why I remembered Alan Wake specifically mm -hmm. because it's one that's on my list for down the road. Uh, but as far as currently playing, I am still playing Returnal. Uh, my mom's in town right now, so I haven't played too many games. But I, I did play some Returnal. While That's she was a good here. one to be able to just like, you know, you've got a little bit of time to sit down and play a game. You can do that. Well, and it's cool because you have the suspend cycle too. So yeah. somebody's like, "Hey, you know, we got to go do something." It's like, "Oh, okay, let me suspend my cycle, and then we'll keep going," type of thing. Um, or I'll I'll go on and then come back later. So that's pretty cool. Uh, with Returnal, I got pa I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but I got past the first biome. Uh, so I beat the first boss. Nice. I don't know if I have to beat the boss again to be able to... I don't think you do. I think you could just pick up a key that like creates an elevator type deal and sends you to the next level. But they recommend, and what I've been reading, they recommend you finish the first biome and get through it because there's like the astronauts that you pick up and the astronauts when you pick them up, allow you to like, if you die, you regenerate on the spot, right? So there's little things like that that are kind of valuable that you, you kind of want to play the first biome again. It'll allow you to upgrade your weapons and get everything that's You need to go through level one so you could be ready for level two, yeah. Exactly. Because it's a cycle-based thing. Otherwise, you're starting at level two with like no power. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of have to, and that, and the enemies on level two get increasingly harder, so... 
Uh, yeah, and that dude, that second boss, um, I've been reading that he's actually probably the hardest boss in the game outside of like the last boss mm-hmm. in the game. So, so you're looking at a big wall moment to have to overcome. Yeah, so it's going to take a lot of like, you know, practice for sure. Like continue practicing the game and, and getting better at it. Uh, so this is a get good type of game. Yeah, for like, sure. This is not a... It's a bullet hell. It's yeah. a 3D bullet hell. All bullet hells are get good games. Yeah, this is a tough one for sure. Uh, so I'm excited for the challenge. I think it's a good one, and I can kind of pick up and play, like you said, whenever I want. Uh, that said, another game I can kind of pick up and play is Magic the Gathering Arena. I've just been doing my dailies, basically, so and my weeklies, which is you have like 15 week uh, weekly tasks, right, which is you win 15 games, and then every day you can win up to 15 games and get gold and cards and such to add to the collection. And of course, you have your main like one a day, which is usually about five hundred to seven hundred fifty gold uh, that you would get. So you're and just on that treadmill. Yeah, I'm just on that. Like, okay, let's knock out a few games. Let's get some cards and gold. See, I so. can't get behind that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff, battle pass stuff. Like, I I just hate being under that kind of like time pressure to do things. Oh, the dailies, I don't really care about too much, right? Like, the big thing for me is knock out the one a day. And then here's the thing: if you knock out your one a day and your first daily. You get a thousand gold typically. Yeah. And a thousand gold buys you a pack. So if you play in a week, you get enough gold for, you know, a pack. Um, you can normally, with your dailies and your weeklies and everything, uh, you could typically get like two packs in a day, especially if you're daily. Like there's enough daily tasks essentially that you can get two packs a day. I don't play that many games. I get enough to, to get one pack a day essentially. Um, and that I'm holding off right now so that when a new, uh, Eldarine set or whatever it is comes out, I'll buy packs for that uh, automatically, so I don't have to worry about it. So there's that piece. And uh, White Knight Chronicles, I haven't played anything since I played Returnal. Uh, I will go back to that. It's just, you know... Welcome to my world, John. Welcome no, to the new and the shiny. It's definitely not that. The new that. and the shiny will keep you occupied <laughs> until December. It is definitely not that. It you is my... Get mo- back around to White Knight Chronicles later, John. <laughs> later. <laughs> I will get back to it. Uh, it. It really is a matter of my mom being in town, and so I can't sit back and really play an RPG because she stays up just as late as I do. So it's not like I'm going to sit there with my mom next to me like playing White Knight Chronicles, right? So we actually had picked up Sons of Anarchy, and we've been watching that oh, man. together. Oh, man, dude, that show's so good. Uh, so we've been playing that, uh, or watching that, and that's been good. But how about yourself, pickup-wise? I didn't pick up anything. Nothing. Imagine that. No. Oh, nothing, okay. nothing video game No related. PlayStation Plus games? Nothing? No, I don't do the PS Plus anymore. No Game, no game Pass? Uh, nothing new. I mean, ever since I switched my Vita over to preservation mode, I've been playing Final Fantasy Nine. You mostly. hear about people? There's nothing new on Game Pass. It's not worth it, clearly. Not yet. We'll talk about that later on, though. All right, all right, all right. So, um, yeah, been playing some Final Fantasy Nine. That's going well. I enjoy Final Fantasy Nine. I am still uh, on disc one. I will have to load disc two and three and four on once I get ready for those, but. Um, other than that, uh, it was the, uh, what was it? The, uh, Riyadh Major this week for Dota 2. I finally got back into watching some of that. And man, this season has gone totally crazy, uh, from what I understand, since I actually did not watch much of it. But I guess that Gaming Gladiators has won, like, every major. And so, uh, spoiler alert, if you have not finished watching it. 
they did not win this one. So that was cool to watch some Dota. I guess this was like a really high paying tournament and TI is around the corner. That'll be in October this year. It used to be in the summertime, but now it'll be in October. So hopefully I will have time then where I can watch a bunch of that. Every time I see these though, I'm like, I don't know that I would ever go in person. Like if it came to Phoenix, like I might have to go one day just to say that I've been to one, but but to like just go and watch people play on PCs, yeah, like I agree. If you like that, to me doesn't make any sense at all to to do something like that. Yeah, like I can go to the bathroom at my own house and make my own snacks in between matches for twenty minutes at a time. Like I don't really play Dota, so there's not enough for me to like be the you know actually in on the end of it because I'm mostly just there like watching. So. I don't think that it's really my kind of venue to go and probably pay a lot of extra money for not good food because it's probably at like the convention center or something, you know? You know, it is our kind of venue, though, and our type of events is Game On Expo because we'll be there next week. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Well, I uh, I don't know, man. I've never watched like the Dota type stuff. It's really not my scene, to be honest, to to watch it. It's always kind of been your thing. I just can't. It's kind of like watching people play video games on YouTube, right? Like, I just can't, unless it's, you know, I beat the game and there's a But you watch sports. Yeah, that's true. Dota is sports. Like, once you understand, like, the game and what's going on and you have, like, I mean, obviously you have to have an appreciation for it. But, like, the reason I like it is because watching, like, a season of football that's way too many like players and teams and stats and matchups and like things that you have to be a part of. But like when you watch a major, it's over the course of like two weeks, there's, you know, the beginning like tier round that you don't even have to watch the group stage. But like the longer you watch, the more of the meta you get to see develop and you see like which characters are hot this patch? Like, how can these different teams lane these characters? And, like, who's got secret strats that they haven't busted out yet? Like, you get such a more condensed whole story than trying to watch, you know, 28 weeks of football. Or I don't even know how long football goes on for. But, like... Se- 17 weeks. 17 weeks? It seems longer than that. Yeah. Actually, I think it's technically... Yeah, it's it's 17 games in a season, but you have a bye week. But, yeah, it's week technically 18 weeks i think of football because you have the bye week so if you get 17 games you kind of have to have an 18th week um but you know sports in general is it's even more than that so like you're right like it's condensed in two weeks for dota whereas like football i'm season playoffs draft off-season free agency and trades and everything else that happens over the course of the year so like i find myself looking up you know my team that i that i follow like like now, right? Like just this week, I was Googling some stuff for hockey or, oh God, baseball's even worse, dude. Baseball is so many games. Baseball is like April until October is baseball. And it's like 162 games, I think, for baseball. It's just so much. And that's that I'm involved in fantasy baseball and fantasy football and those types of things too. So now you're like really in the in the weeds of it. And it, it's terrible. Um, football, though, to your point, I will like sit back and I'll keep up with my team 
and I'll watch a game or, or so every now and then. But I don't like sit back hardcore and like, oh, I have to know every single player's name. There's like a few players you know, mm. but for the most part, you don't keep track of it. Hockey, I kind of do because it's less people. It's like, I think tw- less than 20 people on a team or something. I don't know. I don't remember. My but hockey knowledge is limited to the Mighty Ducks. There's less people to keep track of in hockey. Baseball, even less on there. It's only nine guys on a field and your your backups and pitchers and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, a thing. It's definitely hard to keep track of. Anything else? Um. Oh, I did play a little bit more of the darkness. I got out of the like nightmare hell memories, and I got like his guns. The problem that I'm finding is that as I'm playing this game, I'm following a guide because, like I was saying before, like some of the triggers weren't like loading appropriately, so I needed to know that the story was moving forward actually in certain places. Um, and they just want me to go and find all of these phone numbers. And I just don't care about helping all of these people so that I can get phone numbers for whatever they unlock. So I'm just like, I skipped like three whole pages of guide because it's like, and then you can help this person get this phone number, and then you can help this person, and you'll get this phone Not number. Not necessary, obviously. Yeah, so I'm just like skipping all the superfluous stuff, but it just seems like it's making it go even faster. That's good. So I'm trying to like appreciate some of what the game has to offer because like it's obviously one of those games that has a lot of side quest stuff, and mm-hmm. it's telling you there's going to be a reward for doing the side quest stuff, but I just I know that... I don't need to be bothered with it, so I'm just going to move on with things. I, I didn't use a guide in the game. Uh, I know to start you didn't either, but I would I would suggest not using a guide. Like, if you come across, like, oh, can you get my phone number? Cool. Do it, right? But, like, don't do every single one of them. Like, if yeah. one or two pop up, just do it for the sake of, like, story and the fun aspects of it uh, that come, come with it. Uh, but I understand your point in that if certain areas don't load, you're kind of screwed. I would say the big thing for that is just save a lot. Yeah. Like, just keep saving, and then, oh, crap, it won't load that scene, but I also saved however long ago. Yeah. So if you have frequent saves, and you're Well, it checkpoints okay. you. Oh, yeah, it's true. It does checkpoint you. So, so I'll just, like, reload the checkpoint if it happens. But, yeah, it's like, I'll, I'll just keep going at it. I mean, I think this is the part of the game where it starts to open up more, and maybe that's why it was just like, okay, you're back from the dead. Here's a bunch of stuff you can do. And it's like... Yeah, but you're as the guide, you're telling me I need to just go do all this stuff. But, like, I do want to finish this game. Like, when am I going to be able to move on, like, with the story part? Like, yeah. I don't... I would rather go find out what is happening with the mob stuff than help this lady right now. <laughs> uh, I see how it is. I see how it is. You're like, no, I don't have time for a little old lady and carrying her bags. I just have time to shoot mobsters. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, well, let's get into our discussion topic. Ryan thinks he's going to have one over on me here, but we're talking Microsoft and the final word on Final Fantasy. So, this week, there was announced a partnership, a partnership that John had in doubt. Microsoft and Square Enix team up to release Final Fantasy XIV on Xbox consoles. Yeah, so, I mean, this doesn't surprise me to an extent. It surprises me that it's fourteen specifically. Um, I would have imagined they would have said something like, you know, 16 is coming out in 2024 or some shit like that. 
Um, obviously, it's not the case, but they did kind of leave the door cracked open in this major announcement of Phil Spencer, you know, coming out on stage, right? That they're looking to partner and bring potentially future games of Square onto, or mm -hmm. maybe even just Final Fantasy, onto the uh, Xbox. I think this is normal, to be honest. Um, it's clearly, you know, they used the Square relationship in their trial, right? As one of the, t the sticking points of Sony purchasing exclusivity and all this other stuff. And now, of course, they're they've shown, oh, we can partner at Square, right? We all know enough money talks and things are going to happen. I'm still going to stick to my guns, though, and say that if the money is right, Sony or Square would be willing. If Square is willing, they would get purchased by Sony. Yeah, but I just, a company that wants to be sold wouldn't be out there partnering publicly and announcing, you know, plans for future, like, Xbox 8 and developing... You know, and releasing new Square products in the future, like that doesn't seem like a really good way to entice Sony as a purchaser of you. I think it does. I think it it shows, hey Sony, we're willing to play ball with Microsoft. We're willing to put Final Fantasy games on there. That's a huge point for your console. Come on and show us some money. Buy us. You know, we're they're not going to sell to Microsoft. There's no way a Japanese company like that. They'll no, but they're assets. more happy being independent. Eh, we don't know. And just making titles for whoever the biggest comer is at the time. Yeah, and that's true. But if enough money comes in, those executives will be willing to sell. I mean, yeah, if you just like come in and say name your price or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you're only trying to purchase for as little money as you have to spend. So like for them to just come in and just be like blank check, like that's not probably going to happen. I mean, dude, it's it's the gaming world. You never know 100% uh, what's going to happen. I mean, did we think the Activision Blizzard acquisition was going to happen with Microsoft before it did? It was never even a thought that that would have happened. Yeah, but they didn't come out right before they got bought and said, Hey, Sony, Activision Blizzard here. We're going to partner with you uh, on some new developments for your platform. What do you think about that? Yeah, but my argument to you earlier, Bethesda and did then Microsoft do that. was like, "No, we got to stop that." But Bethesda did do that though before they were acquired, which is why we had all the contractual things that had to happen, right? Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo being specifically on PS5 at the time, whether it was timed exclusive or uh, exclusive only for that console uh, for a longer period of time. That still happened prior to that acquisition. So, like, talks can happen at any point, man. Like, we could hear two months from now that Sony is, they've put in an offer and it's been accepted to purchase Square. I guess I hear what you're saying. I, I doubt you're right. I thought maybe I had you more here than maybe I thought I did. But I think uh, I'm still going to count it as a win. Everybody <laughs> in favor of me counting that as a win, let us know in the comments. It's a, it's a half point. It's a half point. God, this is like when I got the Call of Duty question right on that podcast. Yeah. yeah it, like, it ticked all the boxes, and they were just like, wait, I don't know about that. That's not the answer <laughs> I have here. Yeah. You know what? You're not allowed to podcast anymore um, because you, you beat me in Call of Duty. Okay. So let's dive into our uh, our articles uh, this week. Uh, and I I think our one of our mutual friends will, uh, will laugh at that comment just now. Uh, so we're going to be talking this week, uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. 
uh, has been put onto PC and is basically unplayable without an SSD. That's uh, Wesley Yin Pool at IGN. We're also going to talk about developers and analysts sounding off on the next-gen Nintendo Switch and if it needs to happen in 2024. That's also IGN Rebecca Valentine. And uh, Xbox expects record-breaking revenue in Q1 of fiscal year 24 after the Starfield launch. This is Tech for Gamers, and it is Obald uh, Your Reman, I think is uh, what we got there. Your Reman. I think it's <clears throat> yeah. Obeyed or Rahman. Yeah, one of two. Maybe Rahman, yeah. So diving into the first thing here is Ratchet and Clank. And so really the argument that Sony has made for so long is that, you know, games, Ratchet and Clank specifically, can only run on the Sony SSD. And, you know, it seems to me like, I, you know, I read through this and it seems to me like, yeah, it, there's kind of some truth to that, but also not. So if you have a good SSD, you can run this game and Sony has specific recommended hardware for it, right? And an SSD is that recommended hardware. But people have been able to run it on minimum specs, which is a regular hard drive. And their finance of the game is virtually unplayable without an SSD, of course, as the title states. Uh, so if you're trying to run it on the minimum specs, there's like certain levels. Like when you first get into the key point of the game, which is the rift apart scene, right? When he gets sucked in, um, it pretty much breaks <laughs> for the most part. And it's, again, laggy, unplayable, not a good experience. And so... Uh, again, it kind of sticks to the point that Sony made. It's only playable with our SSD. Um, and, you know, if you're running a pretty high-end PC with a very good SSD, you'll be able to run it, no problem, it seems. That's kind of what I've gathered from this. I personally am not going to be playing this on PC. Uh, I will end up getting this on my PS5 specifically because I just want that experience. Yeah. So this uh, was provided by uh, John Linneman. Uh, who is from Digital Foundry. They do great stuff. If you haven't checked them out on YouTube and you're looking for more information on, hey, you know, how does my this copy of this game go up against uh, this game on PC? What about at this spec level? And they've got usually as many as they can benchmark to, to be bothered to test and record for, but they put out great data on all different games, all new releases. They do like every game that Sony brings over. They do like extensive testing on all that. So they are really a well-sighted source. And I mean, I hear everybody reference them in their videos and I've been talking about them for a while. And digital foundry also has hardware reviews too, right? For PC, if I recall. Um, I mean, maybe they do, and I just don't watch those videos, but I mean, yeah, they do all kinds of, uh, different things and have all kind of their different, you know, aspects that they talk about or, or things that they cover, but yeah, check out their content. Uh, they do all this kind of stuff. And I know that they were the ones that I was hearing talking about like, oh, you know, we'll see if it runs on a hard drive when it was coming out. Yeah. So yeah, I knew this was coming. For sure. And, um, you know, it's, again, like, if you want the best experience here, and that's why, that's really where that, like, PC versus console argument is always so hit or miss, right? Like, yeah, you can play everything on PC, but are you getting the full, like, the best experience optimized to your specific computer? And answer nine times out of ten is, you know, probably not, right? Like, you can have, you can have um, you know, mid, mid-range PC, and it's not going to look nearly as good as a person running, like, a $2,500 PC, right? So having a console, you know for sure that the game you're going to get, for the most part, is going to run, and it's optimized to run yeah. on that console. So you're always going to get a good experience. That's um, why I console game. You know, that's why I console game too. And then there's, I've got a good, 
you know, GPU. I've got my computer set up to a point where I can play these higher end games and not have any issues. Uh, but consoles always like tried and true, right? There's yeah. never any, any troubleshooting or anything I really got to worry about. You're sitting <clears> on a couch. What's that? You're sitting on a couch. I mean, technically, I could sit on this chair and yeah. game. I got a big put round your chair keyboard the... down on your lap. No, use a controller. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I would still use a controller for the most part. Now there are some games that kind of require the like, you yeah, know, like um, Factorio. When I play that, I, I need to get back into that and beat it. Um, but Factorio is a good example where you, you really need that mouse and keyboard experience to truly get yeah. the experience. Um, but something like The Witcher, I totally would just play yeah. with a control. You know. All right. Uh, diving into the next thing here is developers and analysts are sounding off on uh, whether or not Nintendo needs that next gen console, and you know I this was a long article by yeah, the way. Yeah, this is a decent size. Uh, Rebecca takes a talk with a whole bunch of different uh, studio people and analysts from you know some different size companies and gets a bunch of different takes on what the possible future of Nintendo's next console and. It's definitely worth a read and a look in. You know, I thought about some things that I hadn't really thought about with it before. But, I mean, in general, it sounds like most people in the industry are really kind of leaning more towards they can wait. Like, it doesn't seem 100% necessary right now. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if it comes out, you know, early next year that we get news on it and then a release next year. Like... That would make a lot of sense, too. But people are saying, you know, we could be comfortably waiting until 2025. Well, so some of the other things on there, too, that were of interest to really back that up. As they said, Nintendo has, I think it's like $13 billion in cash reserves, right? Yeah, so Nintendo, and no debts. Yeah, and no debts. So Nintendo can afford to, like, sit back and take some losses in overall potential revenue coming through uh, because of that. Uh, so there's that piece that's uh, kind of sitting there because Switch is expected to decline in overall sales, like, 15%, 15 or 16% year over year. Um, but that's still, like, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, that's a lot. But you also have a major install base, too. So even if your overall sales decline year over year, you have enough consoles out in the market that you could pump out games, keep them at that high $50, $60 range, whatever it may be, and still make enough money to kind of keep things up, right? Yeah. Uh, so console sales may decline, but you still have a big enough install base that you're going to generate revenue regardless. Yeah. And plus the subscriptions to Nintendo Online, if they continue pushing that, that's another thing to, to obviously raise the bar in terms of revenue. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm a mixed bag on this one, right? So, like, I do think that, yes, they could totally wait with what they have. And I think the main reason for that is the install base I referenced. But they do need some sort of upgrade, right? Because PS5 is going to have a mid-year or mid-life cycle upgrade coming up pretty soon. Xbox, I don't think will, but no, they, they might do like a slim version. They just recently said that like the, the X Series, Series X, X is their mid-range. which So an S being the baseline, which is interesting that they say that because the S is technically the power of a current PS5 for the most part. So whatever the new mid-year PS5 is going to be, or mid-life cycle, it's going to be better than the X, right? So it's kind of interesting they would do that. But we know Xbox is pushing, you know, Game Pass. That's yeah. the big thing right now. And I, who knows, maybe it'll partner with Sony and we'll have Game Pass on Sony down the road. But, you know, all of that said, um, I do really feel that they need some sort of upgrade. You know, if it's 2024, 2025, whatever at that point, they could sustain until then but they need to get something new out the door. It, backwards compatible 
and better specs, right? I think that's the key. And then of course, naming wise, you probably want to do Nintendo Switch 2 or Super Nintendo Switch or something to at least differentiate it better than the Wii and Wii U. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, the Wii U obviously has a downfall. Um, they may have the same issue though, right? The next console may be a major flop uh, because of that situation, right? Because you have such a large install base and then trying to get into that next one, are you going to have enough people that like, you know, they're still selling so much right now that you have families that are going to say, no, I'm, we just bought a Switch. We just bought a Switch Lite. Why are we going to go ahead and buy Nintendo Switch 2? Like, yeah. why do you need that? Oh, it plays Switch games as well? No, you can hold off because they're still making Switch games. So it, it'll be interesting to see, like, what happens here over the next couple of years. Uh, but I, I do think they'll release something. Signs are pointing to early 2024 from other articles that I've read. Um, you know, whether Always or not they a do rumor that, mill. Oh, with Nintendo especially, like we were talking about this like every month for like twenty twenty one. Yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's needed. the 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 market wants something new, and they may have passed up a great opportunity to do it back then when those rumors were hot. But you never know if they weren't developing anything then, or if if they're not planning on developing. I mean, anything the thing right is, now. they've probably and they, they cite this in the article, like you know, they're likely already might have something basically ready to go and they're just waiting for you know it to hit a certain revenue cap that they don't want to go below and at that point they'll act but until then they'll just let the numbers play out because yeah. i mean they are still like dropping numbers but they're holding numbers better than any seven year life cycle has done before so like they're still doing better than what they and anybody would have bet so why not ride that out but here's the thing too though you can't exactly like Unless you have first-party titles, which is very possible, right? That you have first-party titles already optimized, developed, ready to go for this new console. Um, you know, what are you doing in terms of third parties, right? So if you have a, a new console, we probably would have heard by now, like, oh, we heard from a, a source that's under NDA from Nintendo that they have a development kit for the next console. When it's going to be released, they don't know, but they're developing for it. We haven't heard anything like that. And if you're going to release a new console, you kind of have to give your third-party developers a heads up of like, hey, this is what's happening. Unless the NDA specifically states you can't mention anything whatsoever and there's a select amount, whatever it may be. So who knows? I mean, I I imagine Nintendo is going to be like, it's going to be spring. There's going to be some random-ass Nintendo Direct and then they're going to say, pre-orders are up now. It releases next month. Like, I could totally see Nintendo doing that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be like as powerful as the series s and it'll be like something that won't be super hard to port things for over so like maybe they can just give like games that are already in development with third parties an option to be able to port it over to switch at a later time not quite call it a console launch but get it in the first six months i think we're going to end up with probably ps4 quality yeah that's what we'll end up with that's what I think most people expect. I mean, as long as it can beat the Steam Deck at what the Steam Deck's doing, that's really their biggest competition. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and really, that's not even very much competition when you think about it. So the other thing here is Xbox is expecting record-breaking revenue in Q1 of uh, 2024 after the Starfield launch. Uh, you know, I don't know about this. Um, they're expecting Starfield is going to sell crazy amounts of copies. And they're going to break all these revenue amounts, right? 
they did, in fact, like they're up in terms of revenue in 2023, uh, as far as I know. And that makes sense um, given Game Pass, you know, as a whole, right? But like in reading this, they missed Game Pass subscriptions, like their figures by 10 million, apparently. Like they thought they're gonna be 10 million higher. The other part here is that they're giving away Game Pass like first month for what, a dollar or something like that? Unless you're locking people in for like, hey, it's the first month is a dollar, but it's you have to commit to a year. Um, unless they're doing that, you're going to have people that are like, nope, I'll just get Game Pass for one month, play Starfield and Bolt. Yeah, but I think a lot of why it's, you know, potentially looking good for them, if they can close on Activision, you know, in October, then they'll start pumping those Activision games and Blizzard games into Game Pass lineup. So if you do sign up for Starfield, I mean, it's going to take you a while to finish Starfield and maybe by the time you're done, those games start hitting Game Pass, and all of a sudden you've got a whole new wave of reasons to stick around. So, I mean, time-wise, like if Starfield's your foot in the door with Game Pass, like it's a good service. Like, there's lots of stuff on there. Like, I totally could have gotten Game Pass just for a month, but I kept sticking around because it was worthwhile. And I mean, I would download the PlayStation Plus games, but I would never play them. With this, it's like they're just there. And I could download them and play them, but I don't have like 30 days to get it or I'm going to have to pay for it beyond there. It's like it'll be on Game Pass as long as it is. And if I don't ever play it, I probably was never going to pay for it anyways. But I don't have this like fear keeping me doing it over and over again. Yeah, makes sense. I I just don't know that like this particular game and even with Activision, I don't know that they're going to like break revenue based off of this game given that it is on game pass you're not necessarily selling more consoles because it can be on pc um you know you probably you already have a decent subscriber base as is so like you would have to significantly increase your subscriber base to be able to break the the revenue that they're thinking they're gonna break it's been a long time since fallout mathematically i don't think it it works. So we'll see if they do. Um, I'm interested to see what happens after Q1, but I, I think they're going to miss, dude. Like, I just, math-wise, it doesn't work right. in, well, in what we'll I've see. been reading and what I've been seeing on there. They would have to hit a pretty good subscriber base to truly break revenue. And if it's on game, it's not like you're selling them at 70 bucks a pop. You're giving it away on Game Pass. So once They're it's also on, selling it for 70 bucks a they, pop. They are, but this, the average Xbox player... When you do the math, why would you pay? And that's the argument, right, with PlayStation games, right? They're both on Xbox and PlayStation. Why would you pay full price for Call of Duty when you can get it on Game Pass, right? So, yeah, and so they're funneling you the way they want you to go. Yeah, they are. But but you don't have to. But once that's done, once I'm subscribed, I'm on there maybe one month, two months. Say it's a year. If it is a year, it's what, like 100 bucks a yeah, year or something Yeah, but what if like you want to keep that game? I mean... What, do you download it on there and you keep it or do you buy it for 70 bucks? Like once you beat Starfield, are you going back to Starfield if you put I mean a lot of people in? go back and revisit Bethesda games. Well, I mean, depends on who you are as a gamer, but I just don't think that, you know, when you you're kind of it's it's cannibalization of potential revenue is the way I see it. Like you're selling these games at 70 bucks a pop, but you're also offering a service that price-wise is not much more annually than buying it at 70 bucks so yeah subscribe to it but 
we've seen how that's affecting Disney, for example. Disney has lost millions of subscribers on their service because if they're not putting out good quality content, or they are, people are binging that content and they drop the service and they pick it up when something else comes out, right? You could do the same exact thing with Game Pass as well. Yeah. I only want to play Starfield. I don't care to purchase all these other games. I don't want to pay 70 bucks, but I'm interested in buying, you know, playing these other games. Cool. Now you're not buying those $70 games that are going directly to Microsoft in terms of revenue from both a developer standpoint and, you know, Microsoft. So I I just don't see him hitting that number, but yeah. who knows? Maybe it'll surprise me. We don't really see Microsoft numbers much to begin with, which is very interesting given that they're a public company. All right. Um, last thing here is our inflation deflation of the week, and that's uh, Sega Bass Fishing on the Dreamcast. Um, it was developed for by Sims for Dreamcast. What? Developer Sims for Dreamcast version? No, so this... Dreamcast version was yeah. developed by Sims. Sims, that's because it's developer. got like a different publisher for like every version that came out. So there's a developer named Sims. Yes, I've never heard of them. That might be why we're going to talk about the game the way we do. Uh, it was published by Sega. We don't have a director here this week. It was released in September of 1999. It is a fishing game, of course. Uh, reception is around a seven-ish out of ten. Uh, and then uh, Ryan's fantastic synopsis: You fish. Mm-hmm. So you fish. Uh, lay on the details for us here. You fish. Turn the rod to the left. <laughs> oh no, he's going away. Yeah. So this yeah. was a pretty arcadey uh, port experience. Like I really did feel like I was playing an arcade game. I mean, we had the the fishing rod attachment again or controller again, but it was like giving you all the you know. Bright flashing arrows and audible directions from those like type of voice actors you would expect to be doing, you know, a late '90s arcade title. So it was very immersive in that way, like being at an arcade, but not so much in the fishing department. Yeah, and I don't know if it's the control or the game. I think it's the game to be honest. But like when we played Sega Marine Fishing, it felt very fluid, right? Yeah, you, you cast, you reel, everything. We didn't notice felt... any problems. Yeah, this game from the get-go, we were like. It's not reeling in all the yeah. way. Like the input's not there. There's something up with it. I pulled the disc out. There was a couple smudges. I cleaned them up. Still issues throughout. I'm sure if we put in Sega Marine Fishing, we wouldn't have those issues like we did with this one. Or maybe my controller is messed up and I need a new one. Um, who knows in that regard. Uh, it really just kind of takes some troubleshooting, and we didn't have time to troubleshoot. But We, we got still enough. did better in this one than we did in the other one, though. We, we did, and I think that was because this game is easier Yeah. Uh, as far as catching those fish and, and what you do. So if you need to move the rod to the left, joystick, need to move the right, rod to the right, joystick to the right. Picking lures was, I felt, much easier. Like From a, a visual standpoint and a gameplay standpoint, it, to me, was a much better game from that perspective but the controls were horrid in comparison. Uh, even just like if you want to cast out, there was no depth to it. It was, yeah. oh, you want to cast out? There's no short casts. There's no super long cast. It's just long cast. Oh, you want to cast up to a pier? Sure. But like we noticed, um, and there were certain instances where there were like fish underneath a pier, but you couldn't cast any further out. So there were just like giant bass chilling underneath the pier and you couldn't do anything. Yeah. And no lure that you used would get them out. So what are you supposed to do? Right? Yeah. It was not really, I don't know. There were things about this one that I liked more than I liked with the other one. I mean, 
obviously being more successful makes me feel better as a gamer as I'm playing the game. But yeah, I just think that it really leaves a lot to be desired in the fishing game department compared to uh, the last game we played. And I think I think the pricing weighs that out as well here, right? Uh, I, I don't s- remember the prices on the last game. I'm going to look real quick. Okay, you look up that. I'll get into the brass tax on pricing here for this game, though. So a complete inbox copy will run you $11.99 or $12. That peaked in six, at $16.07 in November of 2022, like everything else did, uh, except there was one person that overpaid. They paid $20 bucks, uh, in September of 2014. Is uh, Back then, that was a peak. It is holding steady in terms of price point. A loose copy right now runs you at $8.99. Uh, that peaked at 11.68 in August of last year. Except another random person who paid $25 for a loose copy in November of 2014. So, don't know what the hell happened there, <laughs> uh, but it seems that that one is trending um, probably steady as well uh, for us right now. Uh, digital console though, uh, it's 4.99 on Xbox. Digital for PC, it's 7.99 uh, on Steam. Uh, and it also includes a Dreamcast bundle. But what's interesting is I was reading earlier that it might have been last week. I don't know if it's still going on as of this recording, uh, but they were giving away free Steam keys for this game too. Uh, so that's uh, that's pretty cool if they are. Uh, so go check that out. As far as uh, did you find a price point on the last one, the marine fishing? Uh, yeah, it's it was pretty close. It was like twelve for complete and like nine for loose. Gotcha. Uh, so pretty much the same price. Um, my rating, if I was looking at like an out of ten score. The experience we had, I'd probably put it at a solid six. Is yeah. what I would put this at. I guess if if we were putting this compared to the other fishing game, yeah. which one would you go with? I'd go with the marine fishing. I felt that the marine. What fishing, if it was your controller? Like, what if what if the controller was better? I would still go with the other one because I felt that graphically, I felt this one's a little bit better. But I feel that the marine fishing had a little bit more going for it in terms yeah. of variety. It had the, and, like mini games as impossible as they were. Yeah, like, and that could be the controller too, right? The mini game piece. Um, but I think that there was more variety in the Sega marine fishing than this one. I did like that this was more of a classic, like, super black bass style tournament mm-hmm. um, where you, you get whatever fish. But I think the controller could have been the issue. If not, then this game was obviously the issue. And uh, I, I would definitely go with the marine fishing over probably us. the setting and the the choice of fish is probably better too yeah and marine fishing for sure like you're like oh mahi mahi oh a shark a barracuda yeah. amberjack like i think there was grouper like there's tons of other fish and modes and stuff that you could play there this was bass this one was just bass there were other like i saw um i think it i saw was a catfish crack. and a turtle yeah and a but frog. they didn't come our way right like we couldn't catch them so i think like honestly they should have allowed us to catch a turtle um, cause that is something that legit you would catch in a freshwater setting, but it's not. So rating wise, let's just say the game was fine. And it's a controller 12 bucks. I mean, I think that's okay. I think that's just right. Given that's a Sega dreamcast game. If you find a nice minty copy for 12 bucks, cool. If you find it for 10, you'll get some fun out of it. You know, you don't have to use the, you know, the fishing rod controller. I say we say that it's inflated then and just call it good at 10. Sure. It is inflated. Inflated. All right. All right. We inflated. blew that bass up. Yeah. We, we <laughs> bass jokes are just going to get me for sure. Like, yeah, there, there's more that we could do. We should have done more with this. 
Well, maybe we'll play another Bass game again. Maybe we will. We, this is our second Bass game on the podcast. I, I think we're all Bassed out. Yeah, too much. Yeah, too much Bass. We've passed Bass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess that kind of works. All right. We don't know what we're playing next week. We didn't get a chance to play a second game for next week, so we'll we'll figure that out. Um, I don't know. Maybe something else on the. Maybe something on your uh, emulation device. Well, we'll be able to talk about game on, won't we? Huh? Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. We got game on Expo, so uh, we don't need to play a game. Game on, game on for sure. So uh, if you're at Game on Expo and you see us, we'll have a Game Inflator shirt. Say hi. Uh, hopefully, we we'll see you there. Otherwise, this has been episode two forty six of Game Inflators podcast. My name is John, and I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening.